Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Chunky Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We rollin'! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Monday morning. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts. Maybe a little boxing. You never know. So there's a lot of stuff to cover. Obviously, PFL had their biggest show of the year, and they're coming off their biggest week ever with the acquisition of Bellator. So lots to talk about there. Six new champions. Well, no, I should say four and two back-to-backs. And so, you know, repeat champs, I guess we'd call them. Uh, along with a lot of news, some good, some bad. We're going to cover it all. So let us reset, and then we'll start the show. Because before we get going, man, this thing with Sean Strickland, I want to talk about it. Yeah, that's part of getting going. Definitely all over the news a little bit. We already know he's a wild card, right? He's Mm -hmm. very outspoken. What he did in September was amazing to shut down a champion like Israel Adesanya. It was really, really, like, unexpected. So, like, his life's ready to change, and it probably has already changed, I should say. He says he hasn't, in a way. But I still think there's different ways fame can creep up on you without you having to necessarily splurge on a $400,000 car or, you know, a $50,000 watch or whatever. It can still change you. And it sounds like he still goes to the gym and works hard and he needs it. But, uh, you know, there's this video of apparently someone in his neighborhood stumbling through, winding up between his two cars in his driveway and so he comes out i've only seen each video like two three times but my first impression goes was it obviously wasn't an attempt to burglarize his home it looked like he had a set of problems the bad guy within the neighborhood or somewhere else it looked like he was out of breath or whatever and he just found a a place to squat down while he, <laughs> I don't know, collected himself. You know, I don't know if he was running from someone, hiding from someone, or what, right? And he's hiding between the two cars, but then you see Sean Strickland come out with his cat, with his gat. You know, he want he's got his gun, which is fine. You you know, you're supposed to protect your property, especially that's what the gun owners believe in, right? But the camera mm-hmm. does also tell you a lot. Um, but man, like the way he was holding that out, like. I've just seen so many people's lives ruined by making more of a problem than uh, out of something that maybe wasn't there. What What did you see in the camera? What did you see in the incident? Did it didn't look like that other guy was threatening to me? It was very confusing. Yeah, I I wish uh, you can't really tell what that guy's intentions were, but I can't. Whatever it was, like I kind of agree with you. It seemed like he was trying to get away from something else. And Did whatever you see the first that, video where he winds up between his cars, yeah, okay, whatever that was, I can assure you it would not have been as bad as where he ended up because gun or no gun, that's still one of the toughest SOBs on the planet. And he just strikes me as a guy that can't wait to prove that to you. So that guy ended up in a really bad spot, but sometimes, like, uh I don't know, man. I think people, uh, they kind of forget just how much, like what Sean Strickland has done as of late has been absolutely amazing and probably has changed his life. 
and think of just all the things it was it was chris curtis the other day that was talking about he said he had booked a, a flight to go to colorado to train for a couple days and he said this is the first time that i've just forgot like normally i, I would sit there and say oh my god how can i afford this or what do I? he's like I, I got money I, I don't have to worry about that anymore and i think sean is in that boat where now he probably doesn't have to worry about a lot of things but i think they still carry that same mindset from before and there's just so much on the line you'd hate for it to all go away over something silly especially not really knowing what this dude's intentions were or what um i, I would hate some for something like that to happen and it's it's crazy dude it's crazy to open it up open up social media and see these videos yeah you know i appreciate him saying i'm not going to change or whatever but he does seem more outspoken and i don't know i the ufc doesn't really muzzle anyone but i still think there's going to be certain limits and right now like it, it sounded like if you ever hear him talk about his upbringing you know with the father and all that it, it just wasn't good and so he has a chance to turn that around for himself when he was in australia i don't know if this is still the case he's he had a bird with him so maybe this might be a future wife or whatever and then maybe one day he wants to have kids so there's got to be a limit to being just you the way you are sometimes you got to think about others as well i don't know maybe he's single again i really don't know because i haven't seen him in a while right but either way um you know you protect your home if you're a gun owner yeah i suppose you reach for the gun you come out but like i say that guy looked like he was running from something else and he certainly didn't look like he was there to burglarize so um we don't maybe know. The, maybe that, there's more the videos. Point. Who knows? Yeah. That's the whole point is we don't know. And 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 we have a we have footage. You know, he he doesn't know either. That that's the whole crazy thing, man. And it's just one little mistake can absolutely change your life. And I hate to see that happen to Sean Strickland. Not after everything he's overcome. Yep. And at the same time. I think you protect your house. Uh, you can go outside of your house, but outside of your house, you don't know if that guy's also got a gun or if he's with two others that might have guns. I don't know. I, 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 I would, I would say protect your house for sure. Uh, leaving like that, I, I think he knew that that other guy wasn't a threat, but it was just, I guess maybe testosterone coursing through his veins and but so I, I think, I, if i, I saw think, a guy like that I, I i could go out there and not have to worry about at least from what i saw that he that if i'm just gonna tell him you know get get out of here or whatever what are you doing on my property without that type of aggression i suppose i think a lot of it is uh it's like when you go to your first boxing class or your first jujitsu class you just can't wait to show everyone what you've learned and your use your tools, right? I bet you some of it's that. You know, you have these guns that you've been storing or whatever, and you just kind of can't wait to flex a little bit. Probably a little bit of that, too. Yeah. All right. So PFL had their biggest week ever. They acquired Bellator last week. We've talked about it on Spinning Backclick last week, a little bit this week. We taped a few minutes ago. Well, we were live, actually. And then we talked about it on our second show during the week. You've heard our takes. We love it. But now we got to see a little bit more from them having their championship week this past Friday in Washington, D.C. We'll get to the fights in just a second. But what did you think of that feel goes of having a few Bellator champs there present, like Jason Jackson, uh, Patricio Frady? They were there to pose off against the new PFL champions. Ryan Bader, he zoomed in, you know, and talked about the possibility of fighting Fajeda or uh, Francis Ngannou. The way this thing is kind of heading, I guess, are you kind of more excited than you were when you heard the announcement? Yeah. Um, I think that was an excellent move for them to do. Like, there's so many models of back in the day to follow, you know, especially pro wrestling, right? 
when WCW came to uh, WWE or ECW, all that stuff. You have to remember, like, I know a lot of people were like, well, how come these guys weren't there? How come, you know, Don Davis explained, like, this happened uh, at the beginning of the week, you know, and some fighters were just unavailable. So uh, the effort that they made and the people that they got, I thought was really cool. Just the image of uh, Pinedo and uh, and Pitbull, that just plants that seed for you to want to see that fight. So many cool things. And I expect them to keep doing that. That's the thing about PFL is they just seem like they want to stand out. I think they understand where what their place is right now. And, I, you know, you have to say things like we're going to compete with UFC. You have to say it. Uh, can they? I don't know. But the one thing that they have shown is that they're willing to kind of look and think outside the box. And I thought that was really cool and very smart of them to bring these these fighters out. Yeah. I mean, it gets you excited about the possibilities. Not only do they have their biggest fight card of the year, you have a, a few fighters that have become multiple champs. Uh, one fighter that became a champ, champ, I guess you could say, or as best as you can do that in a regular season playoff format. Uh, and then you got the free agent signing of Nganu and the possibilities there, and obviously a $2 million payday for his future opponent. But yeah, bringing in all those Bellator guys, and then there's a lot of great Bellator fighters that don't have belts, like former champions Pettis and Amosov, starting with them, right? You mm-hmm. got old school guys like a gay guard Musasi, if he still has any gas left in the tank. I don't know, because they got to re- I'd like to see PFL bring back the middleweight division. They had it for one season, and they haven't brought it back since then. You know how I feel about the Bantamweights, and Bellator has Bantamweights. They just had a solid Grand Prix. So there's just so many things that didn't even get talked about, much less what we saw with our own eyes, champions facing off against each other. And then you think about Pico, McKee, you know, some of the other names that they have there. Jeremy Kennedy. There's so many. It gets you excited about next season. The only thing we don't know is what do we get excited about? The the regular season? Are some of these fighters going to be put in that? Or are they going to be part of like some sort of an arena series? We know there's two pay-per-views. And that's fine. I don't mind paying for two pay-per-views. I don't love it, but I'll do it. But what else is going to happen? And that intrigues me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's sky's the limit. Um, I, there's so much that I enjoyed about Bellator. I, I loved the Grand Prix. I wish there was a way to kind of keep that going. I still am a fan of the seasons that PFL has. And I think with the influx of talent, some of those names that maybe aren't champions that we brought up would spice things up a little bit because with PFL, you have so many fighters that have kind of already fought each other. This I think might help. Um, so you have your, your grand prix, you have your season format, and then you have these pay-per-views that they're going to put on. Like, I think you have a solid uh, game plan. It's just how you execute it, right? There's so many things up in the air right now, Francis and gun and Kayla Harrison. There's a lot of things that we just don't really know exactly what's going to happen. But I do feel like they're going to make it interesting for us. I think what they should do is the regular season, I can appreciate that in one year to the next, there's new champions. I really can. But I think it's pretty taxing. And I do like Bellator's Grand Prix, even though they take about a year and a half to get through them, the champions defending along the way. What Mm -hmm. I'd like to see is a regular promotion with regular matchups that lead to a title fight. But as that's happening, just like Bellator used to do it, have one of the weight classes be starting a Grand Prix while one's ending a Grand Prix. And there's your million-dollar paydays. So fighters still have that incentive, you know, the ones that have already been there or the ones that have tasted a Grand Prix in in any way. I think that would be pretty cool. And then the rest of the divisions can just kind of do their thing. I'll give you an example. So in 2024, I'd like to see them go, well, we don't have – middleweight or bantamweight so we're gonna do uh a a grand prix now they just had the bantamweight so i can wait on that one well let's get a middleweight going let's get a middleweight going with shoe face who used to fight as a middleweight in the ufc now he's a light heavyweight impa kasanganai same thing johnny evelyn uh gegard musasi you know that there's four four more we'll say right um i would love to see them do that Grand Prix style, million dollars to the winner. But then all the other divisions can just kind of have regular matchups along the way. 
um, however they see fit. And then at some point in late 2024, as the middleweight Grand Prix is uh, winding up, then maybe we do a Bantamweight Grand Prix to, to introduce that weight class. Maybe Patchy Mix doesn't even have to be in it, to tell you the truth. Maybe he just chooses to fight the 45-pound champion at, at PFL, trying to become a champ champ, or maybe you just give him a solid matchup along the way. Um, he gets the winner, I suppose. Maybe he automatically becomes the PFL champion. They don't even do a Grand Prix. I don't know, but maybe they can get that one going as the other one's winding down. I love tournaments. I think they're pretty cool, and I think there's always usually a right time for one, but it doesn't have to be every year. Yeah, they have to be special. That that's what made them stand out back in the day. You know, if if they're if you try and force it down people's throat, it's not gonna feel the same. It has to be those special types of tournaments. So I, I agree with that. Yeah, and you want people to usually be excited about your biggest product, which is for them the regular season and playoff, except I think these pay per views um and arena series are going to wind up just being bigger you know and mm -hmm. you're not tied to oh it has to go down in october i mean you can honestly be doing something in october in november in december whenever you please i mean the pfl hasn't done a show in i think the last three championships have been in october so they haven't done a card in november december january february or march in years um now the off season's pretty cool. I'm sure the the staff enjoys it or whatever, but you know MMA is kind of a year around sport. And remember, they're absorbing a whole Bellator roster of fighters that right. were also used to that, not just the April through October grind that we've seen with the PFL. So I think you can do a mix of both of them. But look, let's talk about the fight card itself. There was six titles that were on the line. We'll start with the first one, which wasn't on the pay per view. It was Jesus Pinedo defeating Gabriel Alves Braga. He gave Braga his first loss. Braga's the guy that came through the Challenger Series this year. So this was actually his fifth fight of the year. And Braga defeated Pinedo uh, earlier in the year. But Pinedo got his revenge. He wins in the third round uh, via TKO. And he's a new millionaire. So congrats to the Peruvian. What would you think of that fight? Dude, I thought that was i mean i just think the the year in general we touched on this a little bit on spinning back click but the dude left no questions whatsoever that you, you could even ask about him like finishes he avenged the loss along the way um he has a swag to him he made a million dollars like there's just so much about him to like that i don't know how anybody could have a problem with this guy that was a great performance and uh a great year for him. I think the UFC is going to regret having cut him or whatever. Because I know you he had two fights, time. right? Yeah, but this dude, I just really enjoy watching him fight. Man, this, he makes the fights exciting. So we'll see. We'll see what the future is for Pinedo. But he's a world champion right now of a major organization, and he's a million dollars richer. And in Peru, a million dollars is about almost four million solas, and that's a lot of money. Goes. A million dollars is four. Isn't it more? No, it's four to one. Four so million? four million solas is a million dollars. Well, it's a little less than that. It actually, it's like three point seven mm. seven five to every dollar. Sometimes it was getting as high as three eighty five when I was there. So I just rounded up to four. But it's about three million seven hundred fifty thousand solas. Wow. They yeah, do a lot with that. For sure. Congrats to Jesus Pinedo. Capped off a wonderful season. And then we get to another matchup that took place um, before the pay-per-view started. And, the, you know, with all the title fights, Derek Brunson beat Ray Cooper the third, And uh, this was a debut for Derek Brunson. They fought at middleweight. Ray Cooper is a former welterweight champ. He took the year off. Brunson got the unanimous decision here. So if they don't have a middleweight division going forward, Brunson's going to be a 205er. Mm -hmm. That fight was interesting. You know, he did get caught at one point 
Uh, he says it didn't rock him, but it, uh, to me, it looked like it did kind of rock him. But overall, it was just a dominant performance. And when you look at what he did, you have to question, like, what would elbows do? You know, there were certain situations where you just felt like he could have just unleashed hell with some elbows and probably finished Ray Cooper. But that's uh, that's something that I think needs to get talked about a little bit. But what do you do with the guy? Like, to me, man, PFL, like, you just got to make him and Johnny Eblen happen. And then let Derek Brunson do whatever it is he needs to do. But that fight has to happen. And they even talked at each other a little bit at the event. It wasn't anything out of out of line. You know, it was more like a let's, let's make that money type thing. But I, I agree. Make that money. I think that's a good fight. The guys that we want to see the most from Bellator are the guys that that uh, don't have really a home or a place in PFL right now. And that's Johnny Eblen and Patchy Mix. I think we have to figure those out. And I, I love Derek Brunson, but I, to me, I'm just not interested in light heavyweight. But man, a fight with Johnny Eblen, I'm down with that. Yeah, I mean, their last two champs are former middleweights, so I don't think he'd be a fish out of water, but I think you just need to have a middleweight division. So I think this is a good time to start one because you have Eblen, and then you have a high-profile guy like Brunson who has didn't win a title in the UFC, but he's got a lot of skins on his wall. So I think he could do something. Maybe it's a fearsome foursome tournament or who knows what, but I think he could start something, and I would love to see that matchup. I agree with you there. I think Josh Silvera and Infa Kasinganai could both stand a drop to um to 185 to tell you the truth but mm-hmm. uh because i'm just thinking i i've seen that vadim nemkov and he's a monster he's going to be way bigger than Kasinganai or silvera but you know that's next year um kayla harrison took about a year off it's been about a year since she lost to larissa pacheco and she didn't participate in the regular season, but she came back against Aspen Ladd at 150 pounds. Man, dude, she looked good. I'm not saying Aspen Ladd is a world beater, but she held her own in the UFC. She's come over to Bellator and done well for herself there. But Harrison just made it look like they didn't belong, you know, in the same sentence. Like, she really, really dominated her. I think this is something that wasn't talked about enough. And even on the last show that we just did on spinning backclick, we really didn't touch on this aspect of of the conversation. And that's Kayla Harrison looked like she made a huge jump in her game. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was confidence. I think it was a little bit of confidence, a little bit of timing. I thought she just was always one step ahead of Aspen Lad. And even when Aspen Lad was able to kind of get a nice little sweep and reverse uh, positions. Kayla mm-hmm. just countered right away. Like she had a very good fight IQ. Every everything blended well for this fight. She looked but athletic she looked, too. Yeah. And you know, I'm one of those guys that's always been on. If her and Cyborg fought, I just I just felt like Cyborg would beat her. Like I, I didn't she just didn't seem ready. But to me, this Kayla Harrison, and if she can make another improvement in between that time, now you got something going here. This Kayla Harrison. Um, if she can make this type of improvement in her striking as well, man, that that's going to be something really to look out for. Really, really interesting. Props to her. Great performance. Uh, Aspen Ladd tried to give her hell, but she just couldn't. She was on the defensive the whole time. She is just so strong and physically imposing. It looked like a linebacker or a lineman trying to take down a quarterback, and she was doing it. But, you know, you keep waiting for those judo throws, and she had some really nice tosses. I mean, Aspen flew in the air in a couple times, but really her wrestling was very impressive, man. She was shooting nice doubles, um, and then her ability to maximize her time, you know, on the ground. Yeah, Aspen did find her way back to her feet, but she just kept getting put back there. Um, She's very cat-like and quick during her scrambles. Her hands have definitely improved. But, I mean, God, at 145 pounds, I think she's going to be even quicker. That time off really did her well. Very, very impressed with Kat Zingano. Oh, sorry, with uh, uh, Kayla Harrison. Can't mm-hmm. wait to see her against the Kat Zingano or Leo McCourt, since it sounds like Don Davis is leaning towards Cyborg versus the rest of Pacheco, saying, I want champions versus champions. That kind of does leave Harrison out. Um, 
but he did promise he does want to give Harrison two big fights and he doesn't want to take it easy on her because he, I think he's looking at Harrison fighting the winner of Pacheco and Cyborg um, later in the year, I guess. And then in the early part of the year, he'd like to give her someone. You know, I think Kat Zingano is the obvious name that should be thrown out there, but I don't think that's a good idea, dude. Just business-wise, um, that is a very, very close matchup, in my opinion. And what you really want to do is figure out a way to preserve that fight with uh, with Cyborg. So I think maybe you do go Leah McCourt instead. I would be scared to her tougher. You think so? Yeah, and I'm not just saying it because she just beat Zingano, but she's big, man. She's got a big frame to her, and she's just strong. And I think Kat is an outstanding bantamweight. And look, she went 4-0 before losing to McCourt, mm-hmm. but a couple of those were split decisions. They were close calls. Um, I just think that... I just think that... Um, that McCourt is a tougher matchup for, for I mean, and Zingano is getting older as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I misspoke. McCourt lost to Zingano, but then beat Sarah McMahon. Um, but I think that Zingano fight was very, very close. And like I say, I just think she's gotten better. What do I know? I mean, so those are the three names that need to be involved, though, right? Yeah. Sarah McMahon, Kat Zingano, Leah McCourt. It's. I started thinking about this a little bit. If one of the two lost, if Cyborg lost against Pacheco or if Kayla Harrison lost against whoever they put in front of her, what about this? Do we give a shit? Like, wouldn't we still want to see them fight anyway? Like, is it that big of a deal? Well, that's kind of what I was saying on Spinning Back Click. When Nunes lost to Pena... And then she won the title back. It didn't take away from me wanting to see Nunes versus Cyborg again or Nunes versus Harrison. But it's because they're all great, great fighters. However, with Harrison and Cyborg, let's say Pacheco beat Cyborg. Um, I'll watch part four of Pacheco versus Harrison again. Not that there's bad blood, but Pacheco's kind of matched Kayla in terms of not popularity, but accomplishments. She's a two-time champion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, however, Harrison versus Cyborg would be big, even if Cyborg lost to Pacheco, just because Cyborg and Harrison have talked so much shit, you want to see it get settled. Right. So I think you can take the risk. You know, That's the one way of thinking. The other way of thinking is, what if Cyborg and Harrison win their fights, and then now that fight's even bigger? Um, I don't know. I... I, I wouldn't be too scared to match them up separately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it, a lot of people will say, jump on it now. It's too big of a fight to get away from. Make some exceptions, kind of like what they've done with Francis. But what I did like about Don Davis is he attacked it right away. And instead of leaving us wondering, he said, nope, this is the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to reward our champions versus those champions, which to me tells me Fajeda versus Bader. We can hold them to that because that's a champion versus champion. And going forward, we'll always lean back towards that comment and say, nope, that's the way Don Davis rolls, which kind of gives them the out to do Nganu versus Fury. What I don't want to see is Nganu box Fury. Or sorry, Wilder. Not right away. I want to see him do an MMA fight because we're pushing two years since he's fought MMA. Mm -hmm. Well, and I want to know what the hell these mixed rules are because at the very least, he's got to be able to kick. You know, I could see all right, no takedowns. I get that. I would say uh, takedowns are fair. I don't want to see that. Do you? I just want to see well, straight I MMA. Think, you want him to fight Deontay Wilder in straight MMA? Yeah, and then if he wants to box him, straight boxing, just like what he I did mean, with Fury. He went to Fury and said straight boxing, and they did. I'd love to see that, but I just don't think that'll happen. I think Deontay Wilder would be a madman to, to, to take that I fight. I agree. But. But if you're going to do mixed rules, I would say, hey, look, takedowns, but, you know, the old butterbean rule um, can't be on the floor for more than five seconds or 10 seconds or whatever the hell that was. Something like that, because that takedown does kind of change. It does give the the MMA guy a little bit more of the advantage that he deserves. It's in it's in a cage. It's not in the ring. 
right? In the boxing ring, Francis Ngannou didn't get that many things in his favor. All right, he didn't have to go 12 rounds, but still, dude, like, it's always in their favor. So I would say something like that. But yeah, one of the, like, the second he lands that first kick or something, it's just a different game. But if, if mixed rules is just like, well, they're fighting, but with just small gloves, they're boxing with small gloves, like, to me, that's not really, you might as well just do, you might as well just put boxing gloves on them at that point. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't hold, I wouldn't think Wilder's a bum if he got his ass kicked by Nganu. That's for sure. I'd, I'd appreciate it. And then hopefully Nganu would want to return the favor. But as far as I know it, Nganu's an MMA guy. He's with PFL now. They allowed him to box. He did. He did way better than anyone thought. Therefore, we're willing to see it again, but I don't want this guy to just turn into a boxer either. Now, I suppose if he had beaten Fury for the belt, which there wasn't a belt on the line, but let's just say he had, well, then I would understand he wants to defend and all that stuff going forward. But who knows? Who knows how this thing plays out? Right now, it's either, hey, Wilder, you nut up and fight MMA, and we'll send Nganu to box you. We won't ask for special rules either, and let's see how that goes. Um, but yeah, I liked I I liked Rotang and Demetrius the way they mixed up their that rules. Fun. That was fun, you know, if they wanted to do that. But I think that would be kind of awkward to in between rounds. Okay, take off these gloves and put on those gloves, and mm -hmm. you know. But anyway, um, all right, moving on. PFL, we go to Impa Kasinganai defeated Josh Silvera. Went the full twenty five minutes. Silvera just couldn't get going his wrestling you know this guy's a black belt in jiu-jitsu he wrestled in college but he just couldn't take kasanganai down when he did it was either because kasanganai slipped or kasanganai pulled guard or maybe he did take him down but regardless he couldn't keep him down and he really couldn't get going on the damage now towards the end of the fight he got a little bit more confidence in his hands some of it was working but i think by then kasanganai had he Banked so many rounds, it was just a matter of not getting caught, and he was going to win a title, and he did. Yeah, that's of all the fights that that weekend, that one was the oddest because for me, uh, I think Impa has has made improvements in his game, but uh, I don't know that he's like a world beater or anything. Man, he just made a million dollars. Like his story is pretty phenomenal. The way he's been able to turn around his life and and make such a big paycheck that he probably wouldn't have gotten in the UFC. Uh, so props to him. But I felt like of all the all the fights, that one, uh, I didn't enjoy that one as much. It dragged on, for sure. The only thing that made it compelling was at the end, Silvera was landing a bit. But, man, the, the, the commentators kept making such a big deal out of Impa not breathing out of his mouth and in such great shape. And noted, I, I get it. That dude's jacked, you know, and Joe Rogan stuck it in our heads 15 years ago that the more jacked you are, the harder it is to feed those muscles oxygen. But, man, there's been a few guys that are jacked that can do it. And so we, we haven't heard that as much lately. But it was impressive that he wasn't even laboring at all. I mean, this guy just – if you're Josh Silvera, you're thinking, dude, I'm hurting over here, and this guy, no problem. That had to be a little intimidating. But, yeah, the fight – it, it didn't deliver, unfortunately. Nah. Um, Magomed, Magomed Karamov, he won a title. Again, this is the second one. He defeated Sadabusi. This fight was kind of boring as well, but Magomed Karamov got the submission in round three, a guillotine choke. Congrats to him. He's actually pretty good at it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's... Uh, what, what was uh, Mike Bond saying on Spinning Back? Like, that's the biggest gap between winning seasons or something like that. Mm -hmm. the, um, and he boasts like a 14-1 and one PFL record. It's one of the better PFL records, too. He's, he's pretty amazing, dude. He really is. Um, he doesn't really leave you with that feeling like, I want to see him again the way some of these other guys have. But um, I enjoyed him. I enjoy him as a fighter. I think it's a good name. I think it's a good uh, something for the PFL to boast about. Yeah, and two things. He actually fought for them when they were WSOF. That's what they were before they were PFL. And he's also beaten Ray Cooper the third, 
who is a champion and you know i think he's one of the top guys over at pfl john howard he was in the ufc for a few years i think two different stints chris curtis he's another guy that he beat before chris curtis went to the ufc and became a middleweight curtis millinder he's a ufc veteran Sadabusi, who Sean Strickland says is the best guy he's ever sparred, and he's a former champ. So this guy, oh, Gleason Tavao is another guy. This guy's actually beating some formidable competition along the way. Yeah, that's decent. Yeah. Uh, we move on. So that's your, let's see, what we, what have we covered so far? We got the featherweight champ, Pinedo. Brunson beat Cooper in a intro to the PFL matchup. For Brunson, Kayla defeated Aspen Ladd. That was just the regular, uh, you know, uh, what, what do you call it? Catch weight, 150 pounds, two veterans mixing it up. Kasanganai, though, is a light heavyweight champ. Magomed Karamov is a welterweight champ. Larissa Pacheco is now their 145 pound champion. So, this is their second title in two different weight classes. She defeated Marina, uh, Moknatkina, and uh, it didn't go the way anyone thought, all right? She had to fight out some leg attacks and stuff like that, but she just couldn't. I wouldn't say she couldn't lay her hands on her because Pacheco hit her pretty hard a few times. She just couldn't finish her. Yeah. Um, when you think about it, though, like, think about the position she's in now. You know, Don Davis all but. It, we. The thing is, we really don't know too much about Don Davis. He, he doesn't. He's not really out in the, the public too much, but I do enjoy when he talks. And if he's a, a man of his word, then you have to look at what Pacheco's done in the last couple of years. And the she's made $2 million. She's put herself in a position for a giant fight with Chris Cyborg, which I think is going to happen. I mean, he made it sound like that's just the play. Regardless of what you, me, and all these other Muppets are saying that Kayla's the bigger fight, we all get that. But if the dude sticks to his word and that's what's going to happen... This is going to be absolutely massive for Larissa Pacheco. But this fight did not really help uh, me wanting to see the cyborg fight. You know, if she would have gone out there and just mopped the floor, I would have thought, well, all right, you know, we're eventually going to get this Kayla fight. This should do, you know, this should be interesting. But it didn't really leave me wanting that. Yeah, it sucks because the first fight of the year, which was against Julia Budd and you and I were there, um she decisioned her right okay mm -hmm. but she still beat a former bellator featherweight champ then she got two finishes early first round stoppages amber Liebrock and olina kolsnick so that was huge but then this fight i think we were expecting the same thing hell there was times where she was fighting off submissions to the leg or getting taken down so she just couldn't Her get busy. going and um but yeah had she starched her then i think we'd be even more excited about her next matchup whether it's cyborg or whatever just because you know it keeps the train going a little bit but it's tough you know sometimes it's just the finish isn't there but look who she's beating she's beating bud former bellator featherweight champ kayla harrison former two-time uh, pfl lightweight champ and then she's beating Sarah Kaufman, former Strike, Strike Force Bantamweight champion. So, like, she's got some decent wins. Imagine Irene Aldana, she beat her in Jungle Fight years ago. Imagine if she can beat Cyborg and be able to boast beating Harrison. That would be tremendous for Pacheco. She also lost twice to Harrison, but I'm just talking about the last fight. It went her way, but that's quite a resume she's put together. Yeah. I mean, she got the last laugh, so uh, everything's in her favor right now. Yeah, exactly. All right, continuing on here, co-main event. Henan Fajeda defeated Dennis Goldsloff. Look, these were two big dudes, 6'8 against 6'6. Six, six. <laughs> you just kind of had the feeling it would kind of it would go this way. But yeah, Henan Fajeda, man, he was he was slick in round two. He caught him with the punch and followed it up with some ground and pound and Fajeda gets the uh, one million dollars and possibly the two million dollar fight against mm -hmm. Francis Ngannou but as we've previously discussed Ngannou might be an exception you know to the rule he may have other fish to fry what I can tell you is 
if Davis follows his format, Fajardo may have just earned a shot against Ryan Vader. I think that's what's going to happen. I, I feel like Francis Ngannou, um, he's not that he plays by his own rules, but he's just kind of off to the side. You know, I don't know that we can hold him to all this stuff. I, I think that's the right thing to do is do Fajardo and do uh, Bader. And then Francis Ngannou have him fight Deontay Wilder. And whoever comes out of that heavyweight fight, that's who Francis Ngannou fights. I think that's fair. I think that's uh, interesting. We'll see what what can happen in that time frame as well. You know, maybe the PFL goes out and gets another heavyweight. Somebody like a Ben Rothwell or someone like that Mm. that can be waiting in the wings. But I think that's kind of like the timeline of what probably makes the most sense. I, w- I would love for Ngannou to make up time because he's going on two years without fighting MMA. I'd love to see him fight Wilder. I think that'll be a layup in MMA. And I'd love to see him fight either the winner, Fajeda versus Vader, which would allow Don Davis to say, see, we stick to the plan. Chance versus champs. You know, w- merit versus politics over here. And But yeah, I'd love to see an outside-the-box big name. Now, JDS is a little older, to be fair. So is Rothwell. But Verdun, I think, is 46 or 47. So that one might be way, way out there. Um, and plus, they're doing some heavy testing now. So that physique you see on Verdun that we we saw recently against JDS over at Masvidal's fighting uh, promotion, I don't know that he'd get, he'd get that at True. PFL. But I would love to see him run off like four fights in two years and, you know, solidify his status as a great, great MMA uh, heavyweight champ. And then along with that little, that, you know, that little side piece we'll call the, the, the event versus Fury, right? That guy would have a lot lot. to be proud of, man, in his career. And he'd be one and one against Miocic. He just would, will not have fought John Jones, but John Jones is the greatest of all time. He's the greatest light heavyweight of all time. But he hasn't proven to me that he's the greatest heavyweight of all time. So I think if he missed out on Jones, I think we can all live with it. I wouldn't want that. But I'm glad he got to fight Miocic twice because at least that's one of the guys that we say, ah, that could be the best ever. Yeah, I mean, in that case, like for me, my position's always been it's it's John Jones that needs to fight Francis Ngannou, not the other way around. Francis Ngannou was the baddest man on the planet. We still consider him to be that. You need to go and take that from him. It's John Jones that needs to, to, to come after him. What Francis Ngannou has been able to accomplish as far as like money-wise, if all of this hits, is going to be huge. And I just hope that he'll have that same motivation uh, because, you know, we see when fighters start to make a little bit more money, it's a little bit more difficult to get up and train. And especially when you're getting some of these names and people are, are saying, well, Ryan Bader's not up to your level, your par, you know, Henry uh, Ferrer. Uh, he's not not up to your level. I don't know. He doesn't seem like the type of guy that would slack off, but it's always a concern. Yeah. Um, the year's over, and I think a lot of decisions are going to surprise us. I mean, they've done a good job just with free agency alone right and bellator is pretty much their free agency but there might still be another name or two and then them deciding how they're going to do regular fight cards pay-per-views all that I, i'm really really excited and then in the last fight olivier i've marseille versus clay collard yeah it sucks because collard's fights are awesome right but who wants to stand with them you know olivier i've marseille knew that going to the ground was probably his best bet and he did it and it looked like it took every ounce of energy to get out of there with the title, but he does. He can leave on a win if he chooses for this to be his last fight. Uh, I'm still down to watch Clay Collard fight. You could tell he's worked on his takedown defense, his ability to get up. He's just having to come up against a really, really strong cat in OAM who is methodical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had his moments. Like I don't know about you, but I kind of felt like for as well-conditioned as OAM is, I felt like towards the end he was kind of fading. And, and I don't know that it's a knock on his conditioning. I just think it's the pace that Clay Collard keeps. He just doesn't stop, dude. He's a little bit of a Terminator out there. It's so unfortunate because Clay Collard really turned around his career. It's so unfortunate that he's just run into this brick wall over and over again. Uh, OAM has just proven he's he's the best one there at 
155 in, in PFL. But the fight itself had its moments. I, I think there were some moments where you felt like Clay uh, might be squeaking out some rounds and even times where he did connect. Going to the body was nice. But uh, it's it's the OAM show, man. You know what he's going to mm-hmm. do. He's just that good at it. Is he better than Roy McDonald? He's getting close, dude. He really is. Like, um, it's just he's a PFL champ, and he was a respectable <laughs> UFC guy. Roy McDonald was a title challenger at the UFC, but not a champ. But he was a champ of Bellator. It might be tough because McDonald is the more popular name. He has a Hall of Fame fight. So that one might be tough, but you know, I, I, Canada, I don't think has a Mount Rushmore, but we usually just say that regardless. We say Mount Rushmore's of hamburgers for crying out loud. I'm sure we can do it with Canadian fighters. He's for sure in that. It would be GSP, Rory, OAM, and then it'd be up for debate who who else had a great enough career that we plugged them in. Mm-hmm. Um, but is he better than McDonald? I thought about it, man. I almost felt like I wanted to, you know, argue the case that he is, but I just don't think he is. I think McDonald had uh, some bigger names. Not, it wasn't just a popularity contest. He just had some bigger names, and I, I, I think he's deserving of holding on to that number two spot. I think now. OAM can take it. If OAM wins, comes back and wins the third one for sure, I think he takes it. If he comes back and just has like one or two great fights we'll see but um i think it's possible i think yeah i think right now mcdonald's still holding him off so that was your pfl card folks uh biage ali walsh i think it's gonna be pretty good i wasn't buying into him originally i just thought they were making a bigger deal out of him because of the heritage of muhammad ali local vegas guy played football at bishop gorman but no man this guy's really really good a hell of an athlete, and so far he's panning out. So I almost see him as maybe what Bellator did with AJ McKee. Just we're going to take it slow, and we'll see what happens. But he did get a win on this fight card. The place looked full. According to Mike Bond, it was. They were boasting a sellout, so that's cool. And now they're off until their Challenger Series. I think it comes back in February, which not too many people get excited about. You can't really put it on the level of Dana White Contender Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the arena series comes back in either late March or early April, but that's PFL's thing. You know, they get in your way three weeks in a row in April, three weeks in a row in June, three weeks in a row in August, then one time in October, and then they're out of your lives. So as a, as a consumer and as someone who covers the sport, I kind of appreciate that. Yeah. I want, I do want to ask you one thing that we didn't touch on with Kayla Harrison. Kayla Harrison is going to be a free agent here at the end of the year. And it seemed like the last time she tested free agency, the UFC just wasn't really interested in the offer that they gave her. Remember, she makes a lot of money at PFL. But could the UFC be a little bit more interested now? No. Not? Huh? Oh, sorry. I thought that was the question. Uh, Because you don't think maybe there's a little piece of Dana White that just wants to sting the PFL for taking Francis Ngannou? Just knowing... You know, all right, what if we pay this girl a little bit more than we think she's worth, but we just rob the PFL of that big fight in the process? I'm wondering if if that's not it. Now, Kayla Harrison in her in her interview with Mike Bond, she says it's not really about money now. She's like, I got money. It's more about uh status and and just the career, which would make you think maybe she would want that that uh cyborg fight. But I was curious if if the UFC wouldn't consider maybe pulling the steel just to kind of sting their new rival, kind of remind put, them who's boss. I wouldn't put it past the UFC and only because they've done something like that in the past. It's been done to them. They've done it. But here's the problem. If they sign Kayla Harrison, they'll double their featherweight stable. They literally only have like one or two chicks. So there's, like, nowhere to put her other than to say, we'll just come up with fun fights for you at some point, but they'll have to get more gals involved. I think, if anything, they're doing away with 145 and just focusing on... I'd really like them to try Adam Weight and see how that goes. I think there could be Mm -hmm. some exciting fights there. Um, But, yeah, I just don't think the division works. That's the problem. And But... 
Kayla fits in nicely with what the UFC is trying to do, but it's just oh, too yeah. bad she's not a bantamweight, man. Mm-hmm. Let's go through some of the news that's here, and then we'll bounce on out. Did you see that cameraman that got stuck in the cage <laughs> yeah. when the fight started? <laughs> that was hilarious, dude. <laughs> so I found the promoter. I tell the cameraman, you're an idiot. Let's start with that, right? However... Then I would turn to the ref and say, I think you're the bigger idiot because how did you not clear all this before this guy could get out? You know, I, I um, it was funny watching it and then having to see the guy bounce through and he had his whole cord and everything. But um, I just think the ref's not asked to do much in terms of pre-fight. It's just like, are you ready? Are you ready? And then some, some <laughs> of them go through are the judges or the scorekeeper. But it seems like it's pretty easy to figure out there's only supposed to be three of us here. How did he miss that guy, right? Um, now, I'm not trying to take any blame away from the cameraman. He should have known better, known better. But who knows if someone spoke in his ear and said, oh, don't don't worry. The ref's going to give you the signal. Stay in there as long as you can. You know, I don't know. But either way, man, I just saw two morons. It was hilarious, though. I, I literally laughed. Got to be three. What about the guy that actually closes the cage? You didn't see anything wrong? With that scenario, like, how do you put that? I've been there. It's two. It's usually two locks, one on top and one on the bottom. You didn't think that was weird that there was a cable underneath your feet and there was a fourth guy in the cage with a giant camera? Like, I think there were three idiots that night. If he was focused on the lock, maybe he just didn't see him. But, yeah, you're right. Why? How How did he not uh, see it? Um I don't know. I, I still think the rest the biggest moron out of all of them, but the cameraman's a close second. That was pretty funny. Um, a few other things here. Uh, Blanchfield. Aaron Blanchfield expects Manon Fioron to be next because we got to do the Grasso-Shevchenko fight, right? Mm-hmm. And with T- Talia Santos experiencing a loss, it was kind of like that was that third flyweight that I thought was going to be, you know, the the future we'll say right not to take anything away right. from the real future which is macy barber but um she took a loss recently so it's now these two i don't know goes i don't want to see them fight each other i'd rather see grasso have at least a few bodies lined up shashenka okay who's next i don't want to take away one of these two by having them fight each other yeah i agree I, anytime you have one of those situations i think you want to you want to make sure they go through both um, but at the end of the day, it is a compelling matchup. And it I is. Guess that's, that's, that's what the sport's about, right? It is. If they make it, we'll live with it. But, you know, there's there's something to be said for, like, one could say, hey, Volkanovski cleared out the division. Well, I suppose, but he also fought Max three times, and he got the Korean zombie once when really it was supposed to be someone else. Like, did he really? I mean... Of course, I think he's great, but it seemed like they matched up other guys against each other and guys like Arnold Allen and Yair and Calvin Cater and Dan Ige, and they were all busy taking each other out. And the next thing you know, it did look like he cleared out the division, but it was really people underneath just all kind of clearing each other out. Giga, I remember Giga was on a roll for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and next thing you know, there there just really wasn't anyone. Luckily, Toporia came charging through. Um, and so he's a clear-cut number one. But after Toporia, who's next? I mean, that's a tough question to answer. Emmett got taken out. There's so many of them that have been on a roll, and the gatekeepers, you know, do the taking out. But that's what I don't want here. I want for Grasso or Shashenko, the winner to be asked what's next for you well there's someone that's been chirping over here and it's so and so you know and then you take her out or you fight her and then see what happens but i kind of like it when there's a little bit more of that did you see Taporia punch a fan no oh he leveled some dude i mean where let me clear this up the fan asked him to punch him and please uh, tell me it was to the body at least yeah it was to the body i think it was to the liver (laughs) <laughs> but the guy folded, dude. It, it was a good shot. Will it ever be Slick Rick the Rick Slick Rick the Fish getting slugged by Frank Trigg at a junkie gathering? Be worse than that? Yeah. 
It'd be tough. Didn't you say he got folded in like a like a chair, like a folding chair? Oh yeah, he completely just folded to the floor. But I, I always tell people he was that... skinny and drunk too, so it probably looked even funnier. <laughs> yeah, Trick didn't really give him too many. Like, are you sure? But the uh, the sound was the sound of when you uh, remember when you kicked that uh, exercise ball over at Tough Prince. Mm-hmm. That noise, that's that what it's like. Yeah, that that's that was the noise that, that happened when Trig hit him in the body. <laughs> was it me kicking the ball or the ball hitting that garage door? Or no, door? you hitting the ball. You know that like thump sound? Mm-hmm. That's what came out of his body. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, all right, a couple other things here. Cormier is saying Islam Makashev has a chance to run the gauntlet in 2024. So what's the gauntlet, right? I guess the gauntlet would be Oliveira first, and then Gagey, because he's a VMF guy, and the winner of that fight was supposed to have a say in the matter. And then after that, then I suppose whoever's hot coming out of that. I don't know if if it's a Chandler-McGregor winner, if it's a Poirier, if he gets back in the win column winner, if it's a sarukin Dariush winner, I'll say this. That would be very impressive if he could because that would be five title defenses, two to a featherweight in Volkanovski, but one of them was legit. One to the VMF, one to the guy he took the bell from, and that would probably maybe even have some people convinced he's the greatest lightweight ever. Now, remember, his mentor and teammate, Habib, never lost, but he only got the three title defenses. Makashev would be at five. What are your thoughts? Okay, something that you said early on. One of those would be legit. You're talking about Volkanovsky. Here's my issue with that, and this is why I don't like these matchups. At the end of the day, how legit is it? It's still a lightweight against the featherweight, right? Like, to me... I would have him just rather taken out a solid lightweight. I think that helps his uh, his resume a little bit more. With Volkanovski, as great as he is, he's still a featherweight. You know, even though he competed, he was deserving of it. Volkanovski was deserving of it, though that shot. Are you though? Like, I mean, you skip you skip a line of an entire division. Well, because he cleared out fun. his, it was fun. He only had one loss in his it. career. He had four title defenses. So if you were ever going to do it, maybe then was the time. Maybe it wasn't right for Makashev at that time because he just became champ. So his first title defense shouldn't be right. a guy moving up. I get that, but and you know, don't Australia, gain it was the right time for Makashev. I didn't hold that against him. It was that rematch that really bugged me. But you don't really gain much out of it. If you're him, you're supposed to win that fight. In fact, you're supposed to do what you did in the second fight, finish him, right? Yeah. Uh, that those are the type of things that you have to kind of nitpick when you're when you're talking about greatest of all time and all that. I want to see him against lightweights, and I think uh, that plan that was laid out, yeah, that would be pretty damn impressive. Yeah. Well, but do you think he'd be greater than Habib if he could get? A three and zero year in twenty twenty four. He'd have five title defenses. He'd have one loss on his record. So one more than Habib, but two more title defenses than Habib. I think it kind of evens out, to be honest. The it one loss cool. and the yeah. and the two more title defenses kind of just even things out. Mm-hmm. Tony Ferguson's DUI charge has been dismissed. He gets probation on reckless driving. Man, I'm telling you. Look, I'm not hating on it, right? I'm just wondering if that happened to me, if I could pull that off. I don't know if that cost them a lot of money or if the courts are bogged down with other stuff and this is what they decided. But, geez, it was all on tape. He was, you know, uh, under the influence. He clearly crashed. He didn't hurt no one. That was the good thing. What do you think? I, 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 I'm going to pretend this was his first one uh, ever, but... Um, I think he was maybe even a little threatening towards the cops or something like that. I heard when they took him back to, you know, to go through the arrest process. But what, what do you, does this bother you at all? It bothers me in the sense that I don't, I just don't understand. Like, to me, the punishment seems like somebody just went, hey, you, 
Come on now. You don't do that again. We shouldn't go through that process. Like we already should know we shouldn't be doing that. That's why you get thrown with a penalty afterwards, right? This to me seems like it's just kind of like a little bit of a scolding on something that mm. is very serious and that you should already know going in, right? Tony Ferguson is going to go, wait, so driving and drinking, I can't do that? He's not going to do that. He knows that. Everybody knows that. That's why for mm. some of us, the penalty is, is pretty severe. Now, trust me, man, I'm not, I'm not trying to throw the book at Tony Ferguson, but if you're going to ask me that question, um, I just... I'm more of a guy that wants to see consistency across the board. And I, like you said, I don't know if that happens to me. I don't know if that happens to you. I've driven drunk before. Huge mistake. But um, I never hit other cars, and I was never on video. That's why I, I would have thought my goose was cooked if that was me. And if I could get out of it, holy cow, you know. But, yeah, hey, just as hope, hopefully Tony learns from this and doesn't do it again. Um Tony's a very, very polarizing figure in many ways. You know, he had that incident years ago that obviously it looks like he, him and his family are doing well now. Um, the six losses, though, you know, back then it was like, well, yeah, batshit stuff is going on, but he's winning. And now he's got those losses. And what we always hope for, at least me as a A fan and B, a media member, is that these fighters go out there, do their thing, and hopefully make enough money so that they, A, never have to work again if they're lucky enough to do so. Usually you don't want that, though. A 30-year-old, a 35-year-old, a 40-year-old still needs to get occupied. And so what you hope is they set themselves up so that they can do something in the future, um, you know, in some sort of capacity and be comfortable for the risks that they took. That I definitely would like to see. Um, mm -hmm. Something like this, you know, a DUI folks can sometimes keep you out of countries. Why would you want that, right? Yeah. So that's just maybe a public service announcement. Don't make the mistake I've made. Don't make the mistake Tony Ferguson made. How I never got a DUI is incredible. Anybody that wants to run my record, I swear by that, but I'll admit to you, I have driven drunk, huge, huge mistakes, and I've known people that have really really uh messed up their lives whether at the moment or whatever and so that's just something that there's now there's zero excuse for it because of all the studies that have been done dude some people didn't even wear their seat belts in the 80s and they would drive drunk and so we mm -hmm. went through belts and driving drunk and so now with um uber you know and the fact that more people are open about it you call a buddy they're going to bust your balls and go, are you fucking for real? Oh, and what do they say? They they pause for half a second and go, all right, don't move. Put the keys on the driver's side or on the passenger side and just hang back. I'll be right there. They'll give you a hard time for the next few weeks. You owe me lunch. You're an asshole. You're drunk, this, that, whatever. But I don't know anyone that'll tell someone else, ah, you can do it. We're all aware. And so uh, just ask someone, man, ask someone. Or don't put yourself in the position and just Uber there to begin with. That way you have to Uber home, but yeah. anyway. All right. Um, let's get on out of here. Thank you all, as always, for the support of the show and for tuning in. We got another show headed your way on Thursday. We got two big fight cards coming up. We'll be talking about that. The UFC fight card in Austin. Bobby Green does have an opponent, by the way, in case you're wondering. It's Jalen Turner. He steps in for Dan Hooker. Main event, Armin Sarukian versus uh, Benil Darius. So two great fights at 155 pounds. And then uh, also, don't forget about BKFC 56 with Todd Duffy and Ben Rothwell in the co-main event. And then Mike Perry and Eddie Alvarez in the main event. So they came pretty strong. Oh, Christine Ferreira, she fights Beck Rawlings. So I think they came pretty strong um, did BKFC. So Hopefully you guys tune into that. I think those fights are going to be great. Yeah, we're out of here. Enjoy the rest of your week. Go out and be a champion.
just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.